Shall we begin? Let's begin now. All right, folks, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Frankly Francisco podcast. Today, I'm very excited. I have a guest that I've known for a lot of years. This man's background is uh, phenomenal. Um, I feed off his energy. He's done so much, yet he still has so much more to accomplish. Uh, he is a journalist. He is a writer. Um, he is a stage director. He has written plays. He has produced plays. This man has so much, and he's still not done. He's still trying to accomplish so much. I'd like everybody to introduce uh, to uh, Sonny Falu. Sonny, how are you? Okay, I'm happy to be with you. I'm so glad to have you on the show. You're the one person that I've been, you know, uh, just trying to get on here. Um, you have so much knowledge in your head and the things that you've done, and you're still trying to accomplish certain things right now um, in your life. What gave you the passion to go out there and do the writing um, and the theater that you wanted to do um, coming up? Because you did that uh, a lot later. Um, than you originally intended, correct? Uh, yes. I mean, I never thought that I was a good writer. Uh, I always knew that I liked the theater. Um, when I was a little boy, una tia mia, my aunt, she took me. It's a funny story because she, uh, my grandfather, uh, my mother's father, there were like uh, nine sisters and two brothers, plus my mother. My mother was already married. And they were, all, the, all my aunts were teachers and professionals. But he had like a tight, you know, discipline in his house. And one Sunday, my aunt Martha tells him, I'm going to church. And he says, take Sonny with you, because it was in the afternoon. I mean, supposedly she was going to help the Hijas de Maria to, to arrange the altar. And, and I got excited because I was going to, to, to pasear. I, yeah. mean, I mean, kids love to go out. Of course. And I got dressed very fast, and I went with Marta. I realized, I looked at her. And I felt, even though I was like five, six years old, that she didn't like the fact that my grandfather said, take Sonny. But I didn't care. I mean, she had to do it because if not, I mean, she was a teacher already. She was an adult. And if she didn't take me, she would not go, period. Uh, so I was very happy when we got to the corner of La Calle Loiza. Puerto Rico, uh, there was a friend of her, a girlfriend, in the other side of the, the street, and she yelled, I'll be right with you. And we went into a drugstore, and she bought me a big bag of candies. And I said, oh, wow, this is going to be a great afternoon. Then we took the bus, and I was surprised because the church was walking distance. And we went to a place that I understood was Martha's church. Uh, all of a sudden, we're sitting down 
and lights go off. So, oh, they turned off the lights in this church. And she tells me, if you're going to fall asleep, give me the bag of candies to put it in my purse. I said, wow, I love this church. In the other church is, don't you dare fall asleep. And here is, if you want to sleep. I said, wow, this is my church. <laughs> and all of a sudden, some curtains open. For me, that was the mass. And I remember that I never fell asleep because that was the most interesting mass that I have ever been in. The, the, what I thought was the nuns were with long dresses, fancy, strange dresses. And I was like, I like this church. Okay, uh, when I was in fifth grade, uh, the teacher gave us an, uh, a homework to write an experience that we have had that had been like something unbelievably great. And I immediately knew that I wanted to write about the day that I went to church with Martha. So on the weekend, when we went to the uh, aunt's house, I asked her, Marta, what is the name that, of the church that you took me? Remember that time you take, took me to a church? I said, do you remember that? Oh my <laughs> God, you're dangerous. <laughs> uh, but she said, eh, I mean, it's been such a long time. I really didn't took you to a church. I took you to the, to the theater. Oh, the Tapia Theater, and you saw a play with me, a play that is called Los Soles Truncos de René Marquez. And I said, Theater, that's where I want to be when I grow up. Nice. That. Wow. So I told the story in front of the class. And when I got to, to college, years after I was 17 years old, I met Victoria Spinoza, the greatest, the biggest director, I mean, the, the most talented, the queen. I mean, we all say that she's not great, she's a goddess. <laughs> I mean, very talented director. She died two years ago. And I told the story to somebody and she said, you know what? I was the one who directed that play. And that was my first professional play. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. I was in Victoria <laughs> Spinoza's first professional play at the Teatro Tapia. So, even though my father told me very clearly, you're not going to study theater. I said, if he wants to kill me, he can kill me. I'm gonna be in the theater. And that's how I decided to be in the theater. So, I mean, most parents, they don't, you know, most parents don't want their kid going into acting. They don't want them going into theater. They want them going into something that they know is going to make them money because, you know, the theater business and the movie business can be very fickle. Um, But you've managed to carve out a career for yourself in different platforms, not just the theater. You were a journalist for a newspaper in Puerto Rico. So if folks don't understand, Sonny Falu is from Puerto Rico. He lives in New Mexico now, but he's from Puerto Rico. He uh, a lot of his career is was done in Puerto Rico. He's very accomplished. You you have levels to this thing, man. What keeps you motivated to keep going? Because even with everything that you've accomplished, 
you still want more. There's still more that you feel you haven't done. And one of the things that, that I wanted to bring up was, is the fact that, you know, people of our color have a hard time getting to those levels that, you know, people with fair skin can, can get to sometimes. So what are some of the roadblocks you face growing up and um, as a, an adult trying to get to certain places, you know, without your skin tone being an issue? Well, uh, the race issue has been present in my life always. Uh, when I was in, in fourth grade, uh, I was the only black kid in the class. Uh, and I had a, a nun, Sister Thomasin. She was my English and religion uh, teacher. And two, three times a week, she would take out a picture of a orangutan and she would tell the rest of the kids, look at Palu's mom. Jesus. And I remember that since they told me that the nuns were God's wives, she could do no wrong. So in my mind, what I had was what I did right. for the wife of God to punish me. So I would be, I mean, in bed at night, like, God, tell me what I did, please. I don't want your wife to punish me anymore. I never told my mom. Uh, my mom found out when I was an adult. Uh, but since that time, I became very shy, even though I'm introvert. By nature, I'm an introvert person. Uh, I really don't like parties, big parties. I'm good in a group of two, three, four, five people is getting like too much <laughs> for me. A little too much, yeah. Six people, I just leave. I don't function. Why? I don't know. I know who I am. When I was growing up, my father used to, he loved to dance. And we, we used to be, I mean, my family's black. They are very conscious of their blackness. My grandfather, Juan Falu, used to call me Juan Falu III because I have his name. And my, uh, my father is also called Juan Falu. He created in Puerto Rico in the 1920s, the first pro-black organization in Puerto Rico. Wow. Uh, so that was a conversation that I always heard in my house. So I'm very aware, I'm very conscious. At a point, I was a pastor in, in 1999, I went to a theological college I mean, I'm not going to do the whole story. Yeah, yeah. Because I went back from New York to Puerto Rico to take care of my mom. And just to do something, I studied theology. And I was a pastor for, for some years until 2005. Uh, but it started bothering me that in religion and I don't, I don't have problems with what people believe. But the fact is that they sell us the idea that all those characters in the Bible are white people. Right. I mean, look at the map. That story happened in Africa. In Africa. 
that woman that was called Mary, supposedly, must have a black woman with a big afro. <laughs> when the white lady's there, I mean, and Jesus, he was a black guy. Yeah. Because that happened in Africa, Jerusalem. I mean, just look at the map. I tell people, don't believe me. Look at the map. Look at the map. Well, a lot of those depictions, a lot of those depictions of Jesus and a lot of the depictions of Mary, that was all done during the Victorian era. So a lot of those pictures, the Renaissance era, a lot of those pictures that were made are not even accurate. They're just portrayals that people wanted to put out there. Um, with you, like me, I didn't embrace I didn't embrace my uh, my African heritage until I got older because I didn't understand it. So for me, when you knew, you know, my grandmother, my great grandmother, they're just as, as dark as you are, if not darker. My great grandmother was darker than you. So I didn't understand it until I got older my, who my roots were because it just wasn't spoke about. You know what I mean? I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of my family, you know, um, but it took me a long time for me to embrace that side of my heritage. We get our rhythm from Africa. You know what I mean? We yes. get our culture. We get our dance from Africa. We get our food from Africa. Don't get me wrong. The island, you know, you, you born and raised it. The island is a mix. And I try to tell people all the time, there's a, a section in Texas in Puerto Rico where it's all black people and they get mistreated on the island because their skin is not is not light. You know what I mean? But in Puerto Rico, we have a big problem uh, because uh, uh, trying to, to talk about blackness in Puerto Rico uh, just opens the door for rejection. And the interesting thing is that everybody in Puerto Rico, even if you're white with blonde hair, you're black because Spain was colonized for over 400 years by the Moors. So Spaniards are black people. I mean, there are very light blacks and very dark blacks. The way I see it is, we have to understand that our melanin has to do with the geographical area where our race come from. I mean, Africa receives the sun directly. So we need it to be dark to be able to handle the sun. But as human beings, we are all the same. That should be the talk. I mean, either you're Japanese, you're Chinese, you're from Australia, you're blonde, you're red-haired. We are human beings. You know, the racism came up because the powers needed to divide us. Because if you divide, you win. And we as human beings, we have not understand that clearly. I mean, and, and that's one of the things that I talk about in my last podcast that I had uh, when I had another guest on. We were talking about how if you look at Asian culture, they stick together. If you look at the Arabic culture, they stick together. Um, the Indian culture. But if you look at Hispanic culture, we don't stick together. We're very tribal in that nature. 
you'll see the Mexicans stick with the Mexicans, the Dominicans stick with the Dominicans, the Puerto Ricans stick with the Dominicans. We're very tribal in nature, and I, and I think that's why we haven't gotten to where we need to be. You know what I mean? Instead, we don't look out for each other. When one of us makes it, instead of trying to you know open doors for others, we just shut those doors down and say, well, I made it. You need to make it the way I made it. And I don't like looking at it that way. This is why I have you on, because you've helped open the doors for other people. You train kids in, in how to act and you've you run shows and you've given kids opportunities that wouldn't wouldn't necessarily get on their own. And this is why I respect you so much. And this is why I respect what you do, because it's the passion that you have, you know, for, for people in general. Doesn't matter what color, but you embrace who you are, you embrace your your roots, your blackness. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, and I think a lot of people, a lot of Puerto Ricans don't want to embrace their blackness. They don't want to embrace that background of who they are because a lot of that tragedy that happened, you know, when the Spaniards conquered uh, Puerto Rico and, you know, you know, when you had Spaniards uh, get with the Taino and then, you know, they became mulattoes and the mulattoes had more more power than the indigenous people and the slaves that were brought over to the island. Um, a lot of people don't like talking about that. They just want to talk about what was made out of that, what was created out of that slavery and out of that death and to create the culture we have. But that's part of our culture. You understand where I come from? Those slaves are part of our culture. The slaves that are brought to the island are part of our culture. And people don't want to embrace that. People are always thought the lighter your skin is, the more opportunities you have. And to me, that's nonsense. We make our own luck. We make our own power. You know what I mean? We just, and a lot of people just don't know how to focus that energy to get that done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are things that have to be worked with, and it is very uphill. As you say, in Puerto Rico, uh, I created a workshop in a poor black neighborhood. That's when I went back from New York to Puerto Rico. Uh, I decided, I said, well, what's happening with these people here? They are like, uh, uh, I remember that area when I was little, it was full of flowers and it was very happy. And by 2001, 2002, it was all like, I mean, the trees were without leaves. You're making me speak in English. <laughs> uh, I'm not good at this, but I'm going to do it. Um, and I said, I have to do something with these people. So I decided to, to, to create a theater workshop. Uh, La Historia, the story is kind of long. I'm not going to do it. The mm -hmm. point is, that the first boy that I found there, he was in 10th grade, I think he was. And he helped me walk the, the barrio to, to uh, get kids. Uh, the president of the community gave me the keys to a place. Uh, they have a center there to give the classes. She, she asked me, uh, what's gonna happen when, you, when your grant finishes? I said, what grant? I have no grant. I'm doing this for free. And she said, what? And she said, ask for whatever you want. You're crazy. <laughs> so uh, that boy, Alexis, his plan was to graduate from high school and start working uh, with his mother. She had a, a kiosk where they sell bacalaitos and alcapurrias. Mm -hmm. And I realized that what, he was intelligent. And I told him, Alexis, why don't you go to college? I said, no, because I'm going to work with my mother in the business. We have our, 
Why don't you go to college and study administration? And then you can administer the place with knowledge. I said, yeah, I'll do that. So he went to college. Uh, when he was in college, he found out that he loved education. So he shifted careers. He became a, a teacher the day of his graduation. He called me said, uh, a few days before. Uh, Fanu, will you do me a favor? I said, what, Alexis? Uh, nobody in my family is going to my graduation because they don't understand this college stuff. Uh, will you go with my mother so she won't go alone? I said, yeah, wow, I'm proud to be on your graduation. So I went to the graduation. We're sitting down, uh, and all of a sudden, the president of the university, Pepe Mendez, uh, comes out and he starts talking. I said, about a man who got into the barrio. Uh, and I said, he's talking about me. I mean, the story was like, but I mean, it was like a fight in my head. Like, okay, Sonny, cool down. No, somebody, he must be talking about somebody else. You know? And all of a sudden he says, and this graduation is being dedicated to Sonny Falu. And all of a sudden the curtains open. Everybody from the barrio was on that stage. Wow. And they had a big choreography of a bomba singing like, I mean, I couldn't move. I said, oh my God, why are you doing that to me? Uh, so that is something that I have in my heart, uh, the appreci appreciation of those people, because that barrio has changed a lot. Uh, now they have a, a, a leadership organized and they are having different projects, arts projects and everything. And that started with me. Even the municipality of Carolina, uh, the mayor of that municipality, Carolina, uh, like two years after I was in, in Sabanabajo, uh, he showed up in the center because the center belongs to the municipality. And he stood in the door and said, and I said, oh my God, I'm going to jail. I knew he was the mayor. I said, I don't have permission from the municipio to be here. Uh, just the, the leader of the community, she's a lady who doesn't even have a, 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 a high school diploma. She's just a leader in the community but he's not an educated person. And I said, oh my God, I'm in jail. And I, gagueando, I said, I'm, I'm Sonny Falu. I said, what do you want? I said, I don't know what you mean. He said, yeah, because the teachers in the school, the people in the barrio, everybody, Sonny Falu, Sonny Falu, Sonny Falu. <laughs> what do you want? Because you're not leaving this place. I said, and I, oh my God, he's in my favor. I don't know. He said, I'm going to pay your salary. Wow. And he made a phone call in his cell. And he asked, I'm going to give you here an office. And officially, you're an employee of the municipality. <laughs> you're not leaving this place. I was like, okay, I got a job. <laughs> Doing that's, what I love. That's awesome. Uh, you, you, you touched so many lives already. Just by you going in and volunteering your time, 
and trying to do something for a community that didn't have any opportunities. And you've changed an entire community because of that. I mean, that to me, nothing beats that, man. It's And this is why, like I said, this is why you give me inspiration because of the things that you've done. I've known you for a long time and I've known you since I was a kid. I mean, literally, I'm 41. I've known you since I was maybe 10, 9, 10 years old. I mean, oh my and- God, am I that old, brother? <laughs> I tell people that I'm 40. <laughs> but, I, you know, just by the things you do and the person you are, it inspires me every day to continue because I, this is what I love doing. The same way you love helping people and helping your community is the same way I love sitting here having the conversation with you right now. And I, I want to give people a platform to, to talk that wouldn't normally have a, a, a platform to talk. I don't want to deal with celebrity on, on my show. I want to deal with people like you, people who inspire other people, people who are on the rise, people who just need an outlet to get out there. Uh, and this is why I'm so happy that you actually came on and you give me some of your time because I know you're a busy man. You have a lot of things going on with yourself. So it's much appreciated um, that I get the time to talk to you right now. But it's things like that where you go into the community, you volunteer your own time, and then it turns around. It turns around a community. And what people don't understand, we can do this on a daily basis. We can put the littlest things. You change one kid's life, and then it's snowballed into something bigger for the community. And I think this is the problem with, with, with Hispanics sometimes, that we just don't see that. We don't see the changes we can make within our own community because we get distracted by other factors. We don't... We don't process things like we should. We allow uh, outside noise to get in the way of us doing what's right for, for ourselves. And I think that's what you, what you said. We allow people to come in and separate us, and we don't stay together as a community, and it hurts us long term. But you know what? The only thing that I don't like about myself is my voice. That's why I don't <laughs> like people interviewing me. And I mean, now I, I'm doing it because it is for Julito. Uh, but I will tell everybody an interview. I mean, I can do an interview for a newspaper, but people listening to my voice. I mean, people say that, I don't know, that's my, my issue, my voice. I don't like it, but that's okay. I mean, I don't have to like nothing about me. I just have to do things. Uh, and in fact, I'm going to give you una primicia. I'm not going to talk about all the things I'm doing right now mm-hmm. because uh, I'm kind of superstitious and I don't like people to put their minds. When I came here where I am in Las Cruces, uh, at first I was in shock because I feel that there's nothing to do here. <laughs> I mean, the 60% of the population here are Mexicans. And there's nothing in Spanish. Wow. I mean, and Mexicans here, they live like scared. And I tell them, why are you scared? I mean, you go to Walmart and almost everybody is Mexicans. That means that they are legal here. Yeah. Because if they are not legal, they cannot get a job in Walmart. And they are like, I said, why are you scared? I mean, so. In the process, I was planning to go back to Puerto Rico. I left Puerto Rico because of Hurricane Maria. I made the decision that I'm going to stay here for the rest of my life. Wow. 
because I'm going to do here the same thing that I did in Savannah Bajo. And as soon as the pandemia finishes, I'm going to start a theater project to give theater classes to all these Mexican people who want. And I want to start producing theater in Spanish. Uh, and I will be writing plays about those issues, about be proud of yourself. I mean, you're okay. Don't listen to the wrong things they're telling you. You're okay. Uh, so uh, you're kind of the first person that I tell this. I mean, I already submitted some proposals to the National Endowment for the Arts and everything to get some money to make it work. Uh, so that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm doing another thing about studies, I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah, no, yeah, you don't need to I'm, talk about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about that. I have a lot to do. Uh, my family tell me, but at this age, I said, what age? I'm planning to dance salsa all night when I make a hundred. It's like, it's like me. It's like, I, I'm 41 years old now. You know, did I get where I am now by giving up? No. I did security for 12 years, Falu. This is what I did. I did security for 12 years. And then I shifted careers when I was 37 into finance. You know what I mean? So I, I'm in finance now. You know, I work for a bank. Um, I help people on a daily basis. I talk to people on a daily basis. I enjoy what I do. But that's not what I want to do for my life. What I want to do is this. I want to talk to people. I want to create. Um, I got a couple of things that, are, that I'm working on as well. I'm working on a clothing line myself. Um, there's things that I, that I want to go and finish. I have books that I've been writing that I haven't finished yet. Um, there's screenplays that I haven't finished yet is, you know, my mind goes, I have a thousand and one ideas and it runs a thousand miles a minute. Sometimes I have to focus on one thing. So my podcast is the one thing that I'm focusing on that I know that I can give hundred percent attention to, to get done. Um, and when I have people on like you that inspire other people and you inspire me and I'll say it the whole time we're on here, you really inspire me. You touch my heart because of the will you have to succeed in places that you wouldn't normally think would succeed. And you just bring that out in people. Um, that passion needs to continue, I think, in our community as well. Um, I hope everything comes to fruition the way you want it to come to fruition. This, I, I will knock, never knock anybody's success. I want you to be successful. I don't care what age you are. You can be happy in life at a later age and be successful. I know people who have gotten successful in their 20s and burned out by the time they were in their 30s. You know what I mean? Sometimes the older you are, the sweeter it is when you actually reach a goal because you can you um, you accept it more and you appreciate it more because of the work that went into it. You know, it just wasn't handed over to you. Put that hard work in. And I think this is something for me that I'm willing to put the heart. Is it going to take some time to build my audience? Absolutely. Is it going to take some time for me to get out there more? Yeah. But even if it doesn't, this is a passion project for me. And when I have people on like you that have that passion, it makes me want to keep going. And for that, I thank you so much for that. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Uh, you're an inspiration. You're always going to be an inspiration to me. I appreciate you coming on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I hope, again, I can get you on the show, but this time it'll be all in Spanish. We'll have a conversation where it's more comfortable for you to talk down, down the road. Um, but I thank you for coming on. Um, we will post this. Uh, this will be posted up soon um, so everybody can see, see, you know, hear you, who you are and the passion that you are. And eventually when you get everything up and going, I will promote the hell out of it for you. I will let people know what you are doing. 
I will let people know where they can reach you, um, you know, just to make sure that the voices are being heard that need to get heard. So thank you again, uh, Sunny Falu, for coming on. I appreciate you so much, and we will see you next time, okay? Thanks to you.